you know, it was one of those things that once that first cast and just feeling that line load and just learning all the nuances of it, watching that fish rise, come up and take that fly, it was just, it was all over for me there. And it, it just, it sparked this little flame in me that just continued to grow and grow and grow. And it's just kind of a mild obsession, I guess you could say, but definitely a very strong passion for sure. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the folks at the Fly Crate. Get double the flies when you join their monthly fly club for a fun way to learn fly fishing and discover new flies each month. Just use the code DOUBLETHEFLIES at checkout or stock up on flies for your next trip and get free shipping on all orders of $15 or more. Go to www.theflycrate.com to adventure by the fly. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. This time around, really stoked to welcome to the program Greg McCrimmon. Now, Greg is from Denver, Colorado, works with Gear Colorado as a fly fishing guide and uh, avid photographer, avid traveler, fly fishing adventure. Greg, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. Pleasure to be here. So let's take it back to your roots, Greg. I always like to start right at the beginning. So think back in time. When you got started with a fly rod in hand, what did that look like, and and how did you come to uh, get into fly fishing? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back a little bit further than than the fly rod actually, just to kind of give you my background um, in fishing in general, because that's kind of where it all started for me. I think it it started there, and it built into the natural progression into um, you know fly fishing. So um, let's see. You know, I grew up in northern Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, Traverse City area and, you know, kind of famed fly fishing waters, you know, a lot of history um, in the fly fishing world is there, you know, we got a lot of blue ribbon trout streams and stuff there. And it's kind of funny, I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really turned on to those places nearly as much, only because I hadn't been exposed to it. Um, You know, my grandfather was probably responsible for getting me into the outdoors in general, fishing and hunting and, uh, you know, he really sparked that interest. I remember, I remember, I still have, I still have my first fishing rod, actually. It's a little, hmm. one of those little three and a half foot Snoopy rods. <laughs> a little, hold, hold a little, on, hold on. Yeah, was, it, was it red? Cool, was it man. red? Like, was it red with the, It was the... like orange, orange and white. It's a little oh. Zebco reel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had <laughs> one of those. I had yeah. one of those. And I still have it. And, uh, you know, I caught the first fish I ever remember catching. And I think it was the first one, you know, I've asked my dad and he, it, he always remembers the same one too. It was like a little, uh, probably a, like a 10 inch large mouth bass on that little rock. So it was quite the sight. <laughs> um, but you know, it was, you know, that progression, my, my grandfather, you know, I, um, was a big time fisherman. Both, both my grandfathers actually were. And, uh, one was really big into, uh, pike and walleye. And the other one is more into panfish and that sort of thing he was more of the hey this is food i'm gonna catch and eat and so he would fill his freezers up all summer with bluegill and perch and all these panfish mm-hmm. and so he was the one probably the most responsible for kind of passing on the fish and of fishing and hunting to me and I, I give him the credit for that but you know through those years you know growing up in michigan through you know middle school high school and into my you know early adulthood um you know i was just fishing as much as I possibly could, but I always had this 
this little perk of interest for the fly rod. And it just seemed like such a, almost like a mythical, magical thing, but it almost seemed unattainable. And only because I had never been exposed to it. I didn't know anybody that fly fished. Uh, I didn't know anybody that knew anybody that fly fished. And I didn't even know that there was fly shops. I was so green, so to speak, when it came to that world. I just felt like it was unreachable in so many ways. Take me through that, Greg. Yeah. So, 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 um, how did you start fly fishing? I mean, you just kind of started Googling yeah. it. Like, did you have a buddy that did it? How yeah. did you get into it? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. I, um, I was working part-time at a sporting goods store, Dick's Sporting Goods, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a big thing back East. And, and I remember one of the, the guys there was, um, that worked in the fishing department. He was, he was showing me these fly rods that were on sale. And he's like, Hey, these are going on sale on extra, like, 30% this weekend. And, um, it's a great deal. They were St. Croix rods, St. Croix Avid series rods. And I was like, man, I've always wanted to get into that. I'm just going to buy them. So I ended up buying these two rods, a seven weight and a four weight. And I literally, I, I just, I kind of just looked at them all day, just like, wow, these are so cool. I, and, and I didn't know what to do next. And that was, that was probably about, let me think, I can probably tell you exactly the year that was 2005. Mm-hmm. I bought those rods. And so, you know, I was what, 23, 24 years old at that time. And, um, I got married the very next year and my wife and I became to Colorado on our honeymoon from Michigan. Uh, it was kind of like a, you know, let's go see the mountains, but also let's see if we want to move there. It was a scouting trip in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And so we fell in love with Colorado. We always wanted to try something new, get out West and so we moved out eight months later, 2007 in the spring, we moved out here. And it was at that time that I'm like, I'm in Colorado. I have to learn how to fly fish. And, and so I ended up going and buying some reels and some lines, just taking the, the person who worked at the sporting goods store, their recommendation. I bought some Ross reels and some, and some lines to go with them. And the church we were going to at that time here in Denver, um, one of the pastors there was an avid fly fisherman so we hit it off and i'm like you have to teach me i I need to get it i really want to learn this and get into it and he was super cool he's like yeah let's do it um so we went and this is this is probably 2008 now so summer of 2008 11 years ago first trip first time ever fly fishing he took me to the headwaters of the colorado river in rocky mountain national park Hmm. and that was where it started for me that, and, and I finally got to try this thing that I'd been dreaming of literally for well over a decade at that point. And, um, it, it just took off from there. I caught a bunch of brown trout, you know, I, of course it was terrible at first. It was, you know, as everybody's first time, it's not so pretty, but, uh, you know, it was one of those things that once that first cast and just feeling that line load and just learning all the nuances of it and watching that fish rise, come up and take that fly it was just it was all over for me there and it it just it sparked this little flame in me that just continued to grow and grow and grow and it's just kind of a mild obsession i guess you could say but definitely (laughs) a very strong passion for sure you said something there that really stuck with me that i've heard a lot of people say that i've chatted with and Uh it you said it's almost seemed unattainable and I know what you mean by yeah. that, because unless you know somebody that, that fly fishes or ties flies or is really, yeah. um, you know, embedded 
in in the past time, it's hard to learn it, right? Like it's easier now yeah. with all the social media, but you know, you go back a few years, it's hard to kind of find that starting point. And it, it, you mentioned yeah. your your grand granddad got you basically into the fishing. You talked about the Snoopy rod, and I, I got to laugh because my first rod was a <laughs> Snoopy rod, and and you know what else? No, is? no way. I'm not kidding you. No, and, and the other thing is, is the first decent fly rod I bought was a Saint Croix Avid, which I still yeah. have. It's in. It's a four piece, but now it's a six. Uh, it's a six piece now. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I know how that goes. That's funny. Yeah, but uh, it just kind of struck me as odd. Um, so, yeah. who would you cite as influences in your fly fishing? Is there some some guides that you've worked with that have really influenced you? Is there some? Let's speak to that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's it's interesting you say that. I. It's really hard to pin it down. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, asking somebody, well, who's responsible for, you know, the man you are today? And it's like, there's no way you could, you could give all the credit to one person or even a handful of people. I think for, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, you know, it's been this kind of continuum and, and it's been a dynamic thing of just so many people you know, through the years that have come alongside at the right time, or I've met or pursued and, and just kind of taken me to that next level in my learning and understanding of the craft. And, um, you know, I would say my, um, you know, the man I mentioned that the pastor at the church here, Jim Kilpatrick, you know, he, he's a phenomenal friend of mine. He's, he's like family. He's, um, like a father to me in so many ways, you know, um, I, I would say that he was probably the, the first person that really kind of came alongside and took me under his wing and showed me the ropes and um, gave me the the platform to really uh, turn me loose into perfecting my art, so to speak, and, and making it mine. But, you know, him and I are, are still, I just talked to him the other day and we're great friends. We're planning on going fishing later this week. We, we've been all over the, the country, the Rocky mountain West and chasing native trout and, um, yeah. And in fact, the picture that I posted today was a picture of him. You can't really see him, but you can kind of see him, uh, holding this big, beautiful Yellowstone cutthroat trout. And that, that was him in that picture on Instagram there. You've got some amazing pics on your, on your Instagram. What is your Instagram handle? If anybody wants to check out some of these fish you're, you're getting into in, in Colorado. Sure. Yeah. It's native waters fly fishing, all one word. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to throw a few rapid fire questions at you. Okay. Uh, got it. Dry fly or wet fly? Dry fly. What's your favorite fly rod to cast right now? Uh, right now I'd have to say it's a uh, eight foot four weight Winston pure. Sweet. Uh, favorite, yeah. favorite tunes to listen to on the way to the water. Oh man. You know, honestly, it's going to sound crazy. I would say, um, some worship music by like Hillsong or Elevation Worship or something along those lines. Awesome. Uh, let's talk sports. Lions, uh-huh. Broncos, <laughs> Avs, or Rockies? Oh, man. You're like pulling at my... It's, it's so tough, man. You know, um, it's tough being a Lions fan for like the last <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> it's really tough. Um I'm going to, you know, it's crazy. I'm going to, you didn't mention Red Wings there. So I'm going to go with abs because I think hockey's a, and you know, you're, you got to love hockey up there. I know that too. Yeah. So, um, 
I'm going to go abs, man. It's, I think hockey is probably the most exciting sport to go watch live, in my opinion. Where's the best place to get a real good meal in Denver? Oh, which meal? Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? I'm thinking steak. Steak. My house, man. I have a Traeger grill. <laughs> and you cannot be, ask my wife, man, you cannot be the steaks in there. But if, if you're not going to go with that, I'm going to say, um, you know, the keg does a really good job, I think, for a reasonable yeah. price. I, You know, I got to tell you, I went to the Ritz-Carlton in Denver one time, uh, John Elway Steakhouse. Yeah. Holy yeah, I've been there. Holy mackerel. Yeah, that was next level. Yeah, uh, it was. That's good stuff, man. Hardest lesson you learned guiding. Ooh, that's a good one. You know, I would say, you know, I would say one of the hardest lessons to learn for a guide in general, and certainly for me, I'm no exception, is is simply that, you know, you're there to create an experience and just provide a platform and an experience for for your client, your customer to enjoy. Mm. And it's not about you. Mm. You know, it's not about you catching the fish or showing them how good of a fisherman you are. It's really about, Hey, like, what do you want to do today? Because, you know, it's, it's easy for guys. I mean, a lot of us are go-getters, you know, a lot of us really like to get after it and we move fast a lot of times because we know what we're doing and we know where the fish are and we want to get on them. And so we got to understand, like, you know, someone else might just be out there to, you know, uh, just sit and relax for a little while and maybe watch and observe. And it's not always about, um, doing everything the way you would do it. It's about trying to create and make a memorable experience for them, something that they'll enjoy. Hmm. And it doesn't have to always, it doesn't have to always, it's not always black and white as far as it has to be this way. It honestly doesn't, man. I've, I've taken so many people out that will sit on the riverbank for an hour and just chat and talk and enjoy watching a fish rise and, and the rods are on the ground, you know, and, and they're just as happy doing that. And if that's, if they walk away and they're like, that was an awesome day, it doesn't matter what you did out there. You know what, that, that is really well put. Cause, um, I talked to a lot of guides and, and you are the conduit for that experience. So you want to give them the experience that they yeah. want, not, not necessarily what you want or you yeah. think they might want. Right. It, it, that's, that's correct. That's, that's well put. If you're if you're in and around downtown Denver or the Denver Greater Denver area, where do you go to talk fly fishing? Like I'm sure at work, obviously you're talking it all the time. But is there a brewery, a coffee shop, a fly shop you like to frequent and kind of get your fix? Um, yeah, I mean there's there's so many things going on. Um, I mean <laughs> there's fly shops everywhere in every mountain town, and certainly there's a bunch in every suburb of Denver all over the place. Um, the coffee scene is huge here too. So, um, and same with brew, you know, breweries and stuff, beer's huge here. And so there's literally, I mean, you could bombard your email inbox with just everything that's going on from everybody. There's probably on any given night, there is always a tying event or a raffle or a taco. T- in fact, I just got an email just the other day, trout fly fishing in downtown Denver is having a taco Tuesday and they're kind of celebrating the new Sims launch of their new g4 line and the waiters and everything and they're doing tacos and and uh drinks and and some raffles and stuff like that um you know for me personally i i do i attend some of those things every now and then certainly i hit the 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 big shows that come through here and everything i wouldn't say i have any one spot that i go 
all the time. That's kind of my hangout, but I would say here, I'll, I'll say this, my, my home fly shop would probably be Charlie's fly box mm-hmm. in, in old town, Arvada. Um, that's probably the closest one to me. Um, it's a cool little area in town and we frequent that area. So I, I'd probably stop in there probably the most. I'd like you to take, take us through your perfect day on the water, Greg, as far as what does that look like? Like if you, and, and I'm asking you yeah. now to not think like a guide, I'm asking sure. you to think like a, think like a client. Yeah. So your day, your way, what does that look like? Sure. Um, you know, up early before light, um, in the summertime, um, stop for breakfast somewhere on the way, grab a breakfast burrito, uh, get to a trailhead to a, you know, a high Creek, um, smaller water, pocket water, technical, um, always with a friend. I think for me, that's huge. Um, you know, I, I fish mm-hmm. solo, uh, you know, a fair amount, but anytime I can have a good friend along or my wife, and certainly my dog, he's my fishing buddy. Um, he's always with me, but another person to really enjoy it with, that's key for me. I think apart from all the, the fish we caught and the beauty that we're surrounded in, uh, the most important thing for me is the relationship and the time and the memories we created together. But certainly, you know, if that's there, uh, my ideal water is, is, a, is a mountain stream with native trout, cutthroat trout here in Colorado. Um, fishing dries, you know, rising and yeah, just catching a lot of beautiful hmm. trout in a beautiful location. Um, it's the whole experience for me, you know, it's, it's not just the fish. It's, it's not just the catch, you know, it's, it's where you're at, it's who you're with and, um, and it's all of it. I, I love it all. That's so true because it's a complete package, right? And that's why I, I'm curious, like, like where you get your fix talking fly fishing. What are you listening to when you're on your way to the water? Yeah, um, like it's 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 that whole package. And and like with your your good friend there, your pastor, uh, that's your good buddy. Like when yep. you're when you're sharing that time with somebody, it just makes it so much more rewarding than than standing in a river on your own. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well said. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I realized the older I get, the more I realize that. Because I know when I was, uh, you know, in my late teens, early 20s, I was going fishing on my own all the time. I would go, yeah. you know, I'd go with buddies once in a while, but it'd be like, let's get in the truck. Where are we going? Where am I going now? <laughs> and you just wanted to catch fish, right? But yeah. it, it's funny how the, it transitions, you know, because then you're more in the experience. You're more in the, well, maybe I want that good tasting breakfast burrito and that nice cup of coffee on the way to the water. And, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's just, it's yeah. a full meal deal, you know? It is. Yeah. I, I say that often. You, you stole the words right out of my mouth. You know, when you first start, you know, the very first thing is like, I just want to catch a fish. And then you mm-hmm. do that a few times. Then you want to catch a lot of fish and then you want to catch a big fish. Then you want to catch a lot of big fish. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, and then you get to a place where, you know, maturity sets in a little bit and those things are all fun and important and, and all part of it. And I still, you know, push myself and, and have goals for myself and all those things we just talked about. But at some point you're like, if you come home and you didn't catch a fish, which, you know, it doesn't happen a lot, I'll say, but at the same time, if it doesn't happen, it's like, you're just happy to get out there and that's good enough. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's absolutely. And that's, 
yeah, the second important. the second you let go of those expectations on catching fish too, I think things kind of open up. And I I I, I know I struggle with that because everybody wants <laughs> to get into fish. You know, if you're having a tough day, yeah, especially when you're yeah. getting paid to do it, right? Sure. It's a different mentality. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. Hey, Greg, if you could change anything about the sport of fly fishing, is there anything you'd like to see us do differently or, or better? Ooh, um, man, you know, there's probably a handful of things that I could elaborate on, but I think one of the, the things that really is first and foremost for me is, you know, we're all on the same team, you know, and, um, you know, I just, it's sometimes unfortunate, you know, especially with the, social media growing and, and, and I like it. And I think it, it serves a purpose. Absolutely. Um, but I think there's sometimes there's, there's, um, you know, a lot of just, I don't know what to call it exactly, but almost warring, you know, people just it's competing against each other all the time. And, and it's like, you know, I just want to remind people like, Hey, we all love this. We, all, we might have different views on certain things or, um, little thing, whatever it is, you know, but, at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, this is all something we're passionate about. And it's all something we want to see continue and, and, and be passed on to the next generation. And, and we all want to get our fill out of it and also share it with others. And I think that's, that's something that can all too often get lost, you know, with it almost becomes more of a competition, like who caught the bigger fish or who knows the, the most secret spot and all this stuff. And, and I'm all for like, for that as long as it's done in a way that's respectful and and allows everybody we want to welcome people into this sport you know it's a, it's a very tight knit it's a small industry and it sometimes feels big when um when you think about the whole world and there's fly fishermen everywhere that you can connect with on social media it, it sometimes feels big but you know we're, we're fortunate in denver here we have a lot of the big trade shows that come through here and when it really comes down to it it's like everybody's touchable in this, in this sport, in this industry. And everybody's is in it because they love it. They're passionate about it. They want to share it with others. And I think the the more that we can focus on our similarities and the things we have in common, I think the better it is for everybody because the last thing that anybody wants is whether it be a guide, a brand, um, you know, someone representing the sport at whatever capacity it is, the last thing we want, for someone who's brand new coming into this is to give them a sour taste in their mouth of the industry or of guiding or a particular brand or store, whatever it may be. And Mm. I think if we're not careful, you know, um, just some of the back and forth on social media at times, I think, I think it can, it can do that. I've I've heard people say that, you know, I've, I've had clients that is like, man, you know, I was, I just didn't have a good experience the first time and, and I'm glad that I tried it again, you know? And so, and there's grace for that. You know, there's, there needs to be, you know, a forgiving attitude on, on everybody's part. I think of just saying, Hey, none of us are perfect. None of us have it all figured out. We're all operating in the knowledge we have at the moment. But um, I think is if, if we as ambassadors of this, of this sport and, and passion, you know, um, we're willing to give everybody a a chance and really just pretend like we don't have it all figured out at the time because, um, just stay teachable, you know? Um, well, you and I both know the second you're on the water and you think you have it figured out, you're (laughs) going to get it. You're going to get it handed to you. Oh man. Yeah. It happens. Right. 
I, I love what you said there. You said something that I've never heard anybody say, at least verbalize. Okay. Everyone's touchable in this industry, and it's so true because, I mean, yeah. even when I started this podcast, I'm like, well, who's going to talk to me? Well, guess what? <laughs> if you talk to just about anybody that's into fly fishing, they want to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, there's, yeah. no, I like it. That's uh, That's really good stuff. Yeah, you know, you mentioned something earlier. Maybe I just want to touch on a little more. You know, you made mention of, um, you know, how I kind of got into to fly fishing because, you know, in those years, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you were dead on when you said that, um, you know, we didn't have YouTube and, and social media and, and, you know, I didn't have a even a computer or a cell phone and I'm sounding old right now. I know that, but, you know, everything's so touchable now at your fingertips with with uh, the internet and your phone and a computer and all this stuff, it's like you can, I mean, I tell people I have a, a degree in YouTube University sometimes because everything <laughs> is on there, man. I mean, you can learn anything on the internet. It's crazy. But, you know, when I was pursuing, you know, this and wanting to get into it, but not knowing how, it's like none of that was there then. You know, this is like in the 90s, you know, mid 90s when I'm probably first heard about fly fishing early to mid nineties and none of that existed. And so you had to know somebody and I just didn't. And my parents, my dad really wasn't a fisherman and my grandfathers both lived hours away and we didn't see them much. And they didn't really, um, you know, they, they got me into it, but it, it was just, I was a boy. So I didn't really have the discipline to really like, this is what I want to do. And I always want, you know, in the back of my head wanted to, but, and I think that's something that I think in today's generation with everything at your fingertips, I think we've almost lost a little bit of that sense of that, that whole idea of passing this tradition on. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I, I kind of felt that with my grandfather and he's, you know, he's in heaven now, but you know, I, I still have those very distinct memories of him passing something on and giving me a rod and then taking me fishing and showing me how to bait a hook and, and real efficient and take the and fillet a fish, all these things. He taught me, you know, man to boy at that time, yep. but he showed me in person and that's how I learned. And then, you know, it just transgressed into fly fishing and it was the same thing. Another man took me under his wing and just showed me. And I think that's, I think it still happens. And I, but I think it, I'd love to see it happen more. Well, you're right. It's, it's, um, everything now is kind of virtual, right? Like it's that actual relation. And, and that was exactly, you hit it on the head. Like growing up for me, my family wasn't into fishing. It just so happened that one of my dad's good friends was pretty avid and he, I, he, I just could, you know, I couldn't learn enough, right? As soon as you start, you're like, wow, there's, and there's so much to know, you know, you know what something I want to ask you about is, do you do a lot of fly tying? You know, it's something I don't do a lot of right now, um, and I really want to get more into it. Um, it's just a time thing, honestly, and I think it's one of those, once I commit to really getting into it more, it, it'll, I'll find time for it, and I'll make time for it. But yeah. it's just been one, I honestly haven't. I haven't gotten into it like I want to, and I, I really I really need to. Well, I've, I've heard a lot of... Um talk to a few people that say that kind of completes the circle, right? So, and for me, a lot of people will say it's like, oh, I caught something on something I tied. For me, that's not it. 
and I, I can never verbalize this, but it's a create, it's a creative outlet. So if you look at a, an Adam's parachute or what, whatever pattern you're looking at, but you put your spin on it, like just yeah. kind of your tweak. Like yeah. I always think that, you know, if you're going to a fly shop, let's face it, a lot of these waters that we hit are, are, you know, they see a lot of traffic. So they're seeing the same flies over yeah. and over and over. If you could just change them a little bit, I really think that's a huge leg up. Yeah, you're right. And that, that certainly happens. You know, there's so many variations to, you know, the, the standard certain flies, like you mentioned. I mean, a lot of, you know, famous guides and stuff have their own little variations and, and they matter, you know, mm -hmm. because it, and I think, you know, the bugs have different, very, you know, the insects have different variations depending on what river they're in or what system they're in or wherever they're at. There's slight differences. And so, yeah. And not only that, but it's, it's the artist's touch, you know, it's, it's their art and, that's the beauty right. of art is that you can create whatever you want to create and only you have to be happy with it. I'm, I'm going to come back to the fly fishing story. Anything yeah. come to mind yet or you still need more time? You know, I, I have some and I, I don't know how weird or wonderful. I, I would lean more towards the wonderful in this one. But, um, you know, I thought of this, um, you know, just being up the first time I was, I fly fished in Yellowstone. I was just so just kind of awestruck of just the beauty and the magnitude of everything up there. It was just, it was just one of those wow experiences. And, you know, being in, you know, country that where grizzly bears are and actually seeing some, you know, while on the water, I got to say, man, that was, that was something that's just, it's wild. It, it, it's like a, it's a new level of primal, you know, and it was like, I've seen plenty of bears before, but you know, these are grizzly bears and that's just a different animal. And, you know, especially when you're, you're in Yellowstone, you know, and you, you just have all these expectations of, you know, what it's going to be like in the history, you know, Teddy Roosevelt was there and, and hunted and, you know, Lewis and Clark talking about the Yellowstone cutthroat, you know, in their journals and, and all these things. And now you're finally there and you're catching Yellowstone cutthroat and there's bison and grizzly and, and just this vastness of land that just, it just kind of overwhelms you. And I would say that was one of those, just kind of wow, wonderful, amazing times. And I, I love going up there and I can't wait to go back. I think you hit it on the head there that the historical significance sometimes cannot yeah. be understated. Yep. You're standing in a river that so many people before you have fished mm. and there's so many stories there, right? And and like you say, you got bison, you got you got bears, you got yeah. and you're casting the, the, the wild cutthroat. I mean, yep. it sounds like heaven to me. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. If you haven't been, I highly recommend it. It's on the list. I have not. <laughs> yeah, my, so, list, my list is huge. I'd like to talk about that. What's your bucket list? What oh. is your fly fishing bucket list? If you give me give me top four or five that uh, you haven't done, you want to do? Okay, um, Mongolia is on the list. Timon. Yeah, Timon, and there's Lenik up there. Um, you know, and while you're over there, you may as well jump over to Kamchatka, you know, and get some of those rainbows. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, definitely Mongolia, man. World's largest trout. I mean, that's, that's unreal. I mean, it's just so cool. And just, and again, you know, the, the experience while you're there, you know, just the native people there and, 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 uh, seeing these wild rivers and there's so much cool history in, in Mongolia that I've learned. And it's just really neat. Um, so yeah, that's, that's on the list. I'm going to go with, um, Bolivia for the golden Dorado and other fish in that, mm. in that region. Um, 
I'm going to go with, sadly, I've not been to Alaska yet, and I have to throw Alaska on the list. Absolutely. And, yeah, and you get all, you know, all kinds of wonderful, really cool species up there, the char, grayling, steelhead, what, rainbows. What about warmer, so warmer water? Anything on that bucket list? Yeah. Like warm water in the fresh, or are you thinking salt? I'm thinking roosters. I'm thinking whatever. Yeah. Bonefish. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely going to throw a salt one in there. I'm going to say, oh, man. I'm going to say, that's it's so tough. But, if, you know, if I had to just choose one right now just to really go after, I'm going to say probably GTs and mm. Seychelles. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Yeah. That's got to be up there. Yeah, it's it's, you know what? Those bucket lists are important because when I hear somebody with the passion that you have talk about places you want to go, it's a good reminder of how many places there are left to explore that we all haven't been. It's incredible. I mean, there's just, and there's, it seems like there's more and more every year. It's like you hear about a new place or it's a new river and it's just like, man, it's just, it's awesome, man. There's a lot out there to see and do. Greg, where are you at right now with your guiding season? What have you got? Like, are you still guiding right now, or is the season kind of winding down? Where are you at? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's you know, it's the mountains in Colorado, so you know, temps are certainly coming down. Um, I would say it's definitely on the tail end for for 2019. It's it's winding down. You know, I might get a trip here or there, and you know, I'm happy to do it. Um, you know, I fish year round, so if somebody's willing to go, I'm willing to take them. But, um, yeah, we're actually having a warm-up this week, so who knows what will happen this week. I might, I'm definitely going to get out later this week myself. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely winding down. You know, um, October's kind of that last uh, busy month. You know, the, the tailwaters definitely open up now a lot more. November can be really productive, and it's a lot of fun, um, especially with these warmer, you know, 50, mid-50s days and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely totally willing to get out there in the water and would love to. So, um, yeah, it's definitely slower than, you know, your typical summer months for sure. Greg, I want to thank you so much for coming on the program. I really appreciate your input and, uh, really been a, a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, likewise, Mark, uh, happy to be here and, uh, thanks for having me on again. This is, uh, you've been listening to a chat with Greg McCrimmon out of Denver, Colorado. He works with Gear Colorado as a fly fishing guide, avid photographer, traveler, and uh, we'll catch you next time on the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.